Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We're in a crisis where they don't even really have an answer. As a result of that, more and more people are going to die. The opioid crisis in the US is in its third decade. It's not even 10.30 in the morning in Huntington, West Virginia, and it's happened again. Another overdose, this time just outside a fast food restaurant. It's a normal afternoon on the doorstep of San Francisco's main government building. An average of one person every 10 hours dies in this city of a fentanyl overdose. 50 times stronger than heroin, the synthetic opioid fentanyl is linked in the US to over 70,000 deaths a year. The DEA calls fentanyl the single deadliest drug threat our nation has ever encountered. What was once an obscure drug to treat pain in end-stage cancer patients has become the leading cause of death for American adults under the age of 50. The illegal drugs get into the country from Mexico, produced by the large cartels there, but the chemical components for all that come from China. This global fentanyl supply chain, which ends with the deaths of Americans, often starts with chemical companies in China. Is China fueling America's opioid crisis? Payback, perhaps, for the opium wars of the 19th century? You're listening to Stories of Our Times, from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, how China fuels America's opioid epidemic. I'm Roger Boys. I'm the diplomatic editor and the foreign policy columnist and commentator for The Times. How long have you been reporting on China for, Roger? Well, I've been reporting abroad for, well, longer than you've been alive, I suppose. I started as a foreign correspondent for The Times 45 years ago. And before that, I was with Financial Times and Reuters. And China always played some role, uh, Hong Kong mainly, and most interestingly, I think. But now I'm not uh, not allowed back. You're not allowed back? I'm not allowed back, no, and neither am I allowed back into Russia. Yes, for I guess for obvious reasons, yeah. But where does the, the current situation with, with China and the West rank compared with all that you've seen in that time? Oh, with all the other crises. I mean, in a way, it's all one big cumulative crisis since Hong Kong was basically brought to order 
Take us back to this summit in San Francisco last month, Roger. Who was there? Why were they there? President Biden is heading to California for the 2023 APEC conference. Leaders from some of the world's largest economies will be gathered in San Francisco to discuss trade and economic investment in countries across the Pacific. Well, it was a gathering of the U.S. and Asian countries largely, but the significance of it really was the realignment or the possible realignment of U.S. and China. It was the first meeting between Xi Jinping, Chinese leader, and Joe Biden for about a year, I think. I suppose the biggest result was a change of tone, that they seemed to talk in terms of cooperation rather than kind of deadly competition. Hmm. How is that communicated? In their body language, shaking hands, words they use? There were some friendly jokes. Biden dug out an old childhood photograph of Xi when he was a young man in America and said, you know, do you recognize this man? And why guffaws as if it hadn't been planned, you know, weeks in in advance. So there was a lot of this joshing and Biden does it quite well. Xi, less so. But the truth is, he did express an interest for a a more regulated and less antagonistic relationship. Hmm. But honestly, they are the two big global competitors in the world, and they're both armed to the teeth, and and their interests clash more often than they coincide. In terms of actual concrete agreement at this summit, there seem to be two things. The first of all, the re-establishing of a, of a hotline between the militaries. Do we mean sort of Cold War style Soviet Union, US, militaries talking at the top highest level? Is it returned to that kind of thing? Well, it's supposed to be military-to-military hotline. We're reassuming military-to-military contacts, direct contacts. As a lot of you press know, follow this, that's been cut off and it's been worrisome. That's how accidents happen, misunderstandings. So we're back to direct, open, clear, direct communication on a direct basis. It did exist before, but it was broken off under Trump. And so this is what it symbolizes, that there is a kind of stabilization in the relationship. Honestly, although the American press thinks this means that Biden will be ringing up Xi on a regular basis, don't think so. But it is one of these uh, confidence-building measures, and so it's a value. The other bit of agreement also related to fentanyl. I'm pleased to announce that after many years of being on hold, we are restarting cooperation between the United States and PRC on counter-narcotics. In 2019, you may remember, China took action to greatly reduce the amount of fentanyl shipped directly from China to the United States. But in the years since that time, the challenge has evolved from finished fentanyl to fentanyl chemical ingredients and pill presses. So... Explain what the problem was with China and the US and fentanyl and what what they agreed. The problem is that it's regarded as an epidemic in America. 70,000 deaths, mainly young people. That's more than road deaths in a year. More people in the United States between the ages of 18 and 49 die from fentanyl than from guns, car accidents or any other cause, period. And it's frankly getting out of hand. The reason it's getting out of hand is it's cheap and very, very potent, very easy to overdose with it. And what you're getting, if you listen to uh, Republican politicians, is 
it's rotting out small communities because young people who who can't envision a future end up taking this kind of drug, which is, you know, 50, 80 times more potent than morphine. It's a real, real killer. It has a prescription use. People use it as a painkiller properly, but this is, what, a legally acquired fentanyl which people are using. Yes. I mean, it came into being in the late 50s, early 60s as a cancer painkiller for very developed cancers and was very effective. At that stage of the process, it was very carefully supervised by clinicians and dosed accordingly. And over the years, it lost its patent. So there was an illegal trade in in the painkillers. But then at some stage, and I think we're talking like the mid-1990s, fentanyl began to become a drug. I mean, become an illegal drug that was traded. And then a third development occurred, which is that heroin got more expensive. The Taliban took over in Afghanistan and started to crack down on opium growth. And even the threat of doing that pushed up the price of heroin. So people were on the lookout, the cartels were on the lookout for a way of lacing heroin, for example, because it was expensive, with something cheap like fentanyl. And as you say, it's destroying communities around the US. It makes a lot of parts of certain cities quite dodgy to go to. All of this in an election year makes it quite a hot topic. Yes, that's the key, I think. I mean, that gives the sense of urgency and why it then entered the agenda between two superpowers. They suddenly start to discuss drugs. So if this is a big problem in the US and it's got a lot of involvement of Mexican drug cartels and the rest illegally smuggling it over the border to feed this problem, where does China come into this? Well, China doesn't want a drug problem of its own. And there was some fentanyl use within China and they wanted to crack down on it anyway. So China banned uh, the use of fentanyl for its own purposes, partly under pressure from Trump. Now, one of the things that I did with President Xi, and I said, listen, we have tremendous amounts of fentanyl coming into our country, and I'd love you to declare it a lethal drug. But what it didn't do is properly crack down on the precursors of fentanyl. I should say that fentanyl is a synthetic opioid. It's uh, the result of a chemical combination, uh, which is a relatively easy one to arrange. The precursors are being made in China without it actually being put together as fentanyl. So, So Xi obliged Trump by saying he's banning the export of fentanyl, but continued to allow the precursors, the the different ingredients of fentanyl, to be exported. And that's what happened. And it was quite clear that these precursors were going to enter the criminal drug system. So if before it was the case that China was exporting fentanyl to many places, I'm sure, but a lot to Mexico, and that was making it into the US, if under the Trump administration that was clamped down on, China continued beneath that to basically supply the ingredients to Mexico so it could be made in Mexico and then exported up north. Yes, the Mexican cartels saw an opportunity there. 
Traffickers can make up to 1 million tablets from just one kilogram of pure fentanyl. The estimated production cost per unit is just one euro cent. The retail price on the streets of large American cities is on average 10 euros. First of all, it's incredibly easy to smuggle. You smuggle them as pills and like four million pounds worth or dollars worth of, of pills can fill half of a car boot because it's so powerful and because it can be compressed. Yeah. And so you have the Mexican cartels have what are called pill mills. That's to say industrial scale tablet makers. And then they add these two precursors together and then roughly at a cost of like 50 cents a pill, they can churn it out. It's easy, it's cheap, it's easy to smuggle, easy to distribute. And the cartels really jumped on this. Mm. And so was this agreement between Biden and Xi last month to do with stopping the exporting of those precursors? Is that what they managed to do? Well, yes, that was certainly raised and he promised to do something about it. We're taking action to significantly reduce the flow of precursor chemicals and pill presses from China to the Western Hemisphere. It's going to save lives, and I appreciate President Xi's commitment on this issue. The crackdown, such as it is at the moment, is more about banning internet advertisements for fentanyl or fentanyl-like drugs, relatively mild things. So we haven't yet heard what the Chinese police are doing in terms of intervening with these factories. The truth is, you know, if the Chinese regime said, oh, we didn't know anything about this, no one could possibly believe that because the whole nature of the Chinese economy is that state companies in particular, and these are state companies, are really tightly under surveillance. And and apart from that, they need to be shipped and they need shipping documents and they need political permission from the local governor. You know, there are all these, these layers of surveillance built into the system, and yet it was still happening. The Drug um, Enforcement Agency in the US, you know, will be monitoring this quite carefully to see which stages of the drug supply chain to America is being interrupted and which isn't. And that maybe there'll be another summit. But either, either way, there, there is some progress, but it's not as massive as uh, America wanted. And is that because China is, to maybe some extent, happy with the current situation, that they are helping produce a product which make, is making its way into US society and absolutely destroying parts of it? Well, it makes China interesting and cooperation with China interesting. Mm and therefore has diplomatic value for China. But I think there is a historical legacy that is being processed. Coming up, could China be doing this on purpose? And what is the grudge it might be trying to settle? That's in a moment. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. 
Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Roger, a moment ago you explained to us how there is an element in this of maybe China looking to settle old scores and what happened in the opium wars back in the 19th century. I think underlying a lot of this strange uh, geopoliticization of the drug is the historical legacy of, of uh, opium and powerful drug exports in the relations between West and China. There were two opium wars in the 19th century in which the West tried to assert itself. Basically, the West and Britain in particular and the East India Company were particularly interested in tea from China, silk, all these kind of things which have become fashionable in Britain and uh, elsewhere in the West, but didn't want to pay the silver that was being demanded by the Chinese court. So it found a way of bringing opium from Bengal, which was part of the British Indian Empire, to China. And in the Chinese telling of this, it basically got China hooked. There were drug dens, opium dens, and a whole whole generations of the Chinese were, as I say, in the Chinese telling of it, lost, lost to drugs, lost to the opium that had been brought in as part of some kind of trading manoeuvre by the West. And is there telling of it that that was a a deliberate ploy by the British? Yes, that's it. It was considered to be an attempt to weaken China to allow it to be exploited. China resisted. It set the uh, stockpiles of opium from the British East India Company on fire. And Britain then started a war, basically. And it won. That was in the 1830s and 1840s. And after it all, there were a series of what China called humiliating treaties. That's to say, Hong Kong was ceded to Britain. Tariffs were imposed on Chinese exports. It was basically Britain won the war and it did it in a very exploitative way. So this became known as the century of humiliation for China a moment that was supposed to be ended when the Chinese Communist Party took over in the late 1940s. And Xi Jinping's great ambition is to end the century of humiliation and usher in a period of Chinese assertiveness Mm. and self-confidence. 
The Chinese people will never allow any foreign forces to bully, oppress or enslave us. Whoever nurses delusions of doing that will crack their heads and spill blood on the Great Wall of Steel, built from the flesh and blood of 1.4 billion Chinese people. And when you say assertiveness, do you also mean retribution? If they suffered humiliation during the Opium Wars of the 19th century, could we read a plan now where this is them getting their own back with a new opium war of sorts? Well, that's how it's being read. Mm. Yeah. Whether that really is the Chinese intention, I don't know, because we're talking about criminal gangs most of the time rather than state policy. But the truth is, America made that assumption. If you look at the street names for these uh, synthetic opioids in America, it's called Chinese White, Chinese girl, Chinatown. It's all these names which absolutely link it to China and the implicit menace of China. Hmm. So the Americans certainly framed it in this way, that there is some kind of revenge policy underway. What the Chinese really intend by flooding the market with these synthetic drugs, I don't know. Could be, as I say, lawless a lawless relationship between Chinese crime gangs and Mexican crime gangs, purely about profit. But I'm skeptical about that. This must be some kind of state-coordinated action. And this feeds into the idea of China being some great global disruptor, be it in elections or here in the drug trade in the US or the education system, higher education system in, in the UK. The fact that they're there sort of churning trouble, seemingly for the hell of it. I wonder what you think the actual purpose of that is, especially when we're talking about this fentanyl trade. What is the actual end goal beyond just, well, disrupting your enemy, the US? Well, disruption is a big feature. You know, uh, Chinese are capable, as are the Russians, for example, of disrupting elections and of buying influence and buying MPs. And this is part of a strategy, really, to rewrite the rules of the global order. What makes it interesting is this, in this case, is the absolute criminal element of the fentanyl market and this struggle to make it morally just to avenge the horrible things that have been done to Chinese over the years. I remember when Britain handed back Hong Kong to China, it was quite a big ceremony. The Chinese wanted it done in the town hall, you know, with just people in suits and stuff. But Britain, Chris Patton in particular, wanted it done with a certain degree of pomp to mm. show, because it was the last act of the British Empire, really. But in Tiananmen Square in Beijing, simultaneously, there was a big screen, and they were showing not the pictures from Hong Kong, but an old movie uh, called Opium War by quite a good Chinese film director in which the evils of British dishonesty in the past uh, were sort of laid bare. And it was extraordinary. It went on to be the best-selling film in, in years in China. That's how deep it goes. No one's ready to forget that. This is a really potent mobilizing image. But mobilizing to what end beyond just disrupting the US for the hell of it? If they are actively you know, allowing these precursors or these drugs and these ingredients to make its way through these criminal gangs in, into the US on purpose. 
How does that fit into a strategy? I think Xi and his regime, they understand popular forces in the West better than they understand popular forces at home. And they've seen how a democratic order can be pushed into a corner by, for example, in Vietnam, you know, the American losses in Vietnam, the anti-Vietnam protest movement, all these things, they change the face of American politics. And they think they can do something similar, partly because people are so upset about their children dying of drug overdoses mm. that they will maybe put some pressure on, on governments to talk to the Chinese and get it sorted. Has there been a late realisation to this in the US? I guess in the UK, we've had in the last 10 years or so a complete reappraisal of golden relations with China, Hinkley Point, an awareness of what China is doing in higher education in the UK and the rest, and you get the sense that UK politics is all of a sudden alive to this threat. Is the US to the same degree, and was there a sort of aha moment? Well, it's been staggered. It came first under the Trump Republicans, mm. who began to identify China as the big enemy. Look, I think the bottom line is uh, we're in a conflict. And I think we have to start talking about it that way. Now, I hope it's never an armed conflict, but it's a conflict at every level you can imagine. And I think, look, we have a That has had to be tailored because in the meantime, Russia invaded Ukraine and Russia also had to be the big enemy. And now the big enemy in their terms is the dragon bear. So the combination of China and Russia acting together, Chinese dragon, Russian bear. And it's confusing and worrying for Americans, but still doesn't directly touch them. And what's happened is that despite all the rhetoric that was under Trump and then to some degree reproduced under Biden, there is quite a big American dependency on uh, Chinese capital. A lot of American debt is owned by the Chinese. The disconnect that America has had with Putin's Russia and the, the massive sanctions after the invasion of Ukraine, that doesn't work with China. They may not like each other, but they do need each other. And do relatively small issues like what we've been discussing about Chinese influence on fentanyl getting into the US, is that all part of a ramping up to that point? Is it a tool of a Cold War that slips into maybe a future hot war? However you explain it, if it is a state policy to flood America or small town America, let's put it that way, with a deadly drug, then, then you have to look at all the boxes that ticks. Voters in America are quite, especially Republican voters, are neurotic about the border, yeah? And they're essentially challenging some of the basic precepts of, of what supposedly makes America great. And if Trump wins, uh, he will win partly on the yellow peril. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Luke Jones, and my guest, diplomatic editor for The Times, Roger Boys. Roger's foreign policy column is in the paper every Wednesday, so if you get a print copy, you can see it there, or online if you're a subscriber, of course. 
Time subscribers can also get the latest episode of Inside the Newsroom. It's our new behind-the-scenes series on Apple Podcasts, and it is only for subscribers. You can get it on the Stories of Our Times feed. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash bonus podcasts to find out more. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producer was Fiona Leach. And sound design was by Hannah Varrell. Leave us a nice review if you fancy. And if you have any tips, questions or comments, stories of our times at thetimes.co.uk is how to email us. Goodbye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.